welcome to the Practice Advantage podcast, brought to you by Healthy Eyes Advantage. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, Executive Vice President of Professional Strategies, and I'll be your host on your practice success journey. Running an independent eye care practice and business is hard work. We exist to make it easier. Here on the Practice Advantage podcast, we bring you tips, tricks, and strategies from experts from within and outside the eye care industry that you can begin implementing in your practice today. Let's dive in. Today on the Practice Advantage podcast, we're focusing on the importance of your brand, both as an eye care professional as well as both a business and a practice. To help us do that, I'm joined today by Daryl Travis, CEO of Brand Trust, a brand research and strategy company built on human truth, and the author of two books, How Does It Make You Feel, Why Emotion Wins the Battle of Brands, and Little Things, Big Returns. Daryl is a powerful storyteller and speaks frequently on the power of insights and how data-driven research often fails to reveal the emotional factors behind why customers make the decisions they make. Daryl's guiding mantra is the Nina principle, no insight, no advantage. Daryl, welcome to the Practice Advantage podcast, and thank you for joining us. Great to be here. In today's customer experience-driven environment, having a practice brand, and I want to clarify here for our listeners, not just the doctor, that doctor-patient relationship is critical, but here we're talking about the brand that your practice, your business has. So having that practice brand that our listeners, patients can really emotionally attach themselves to is critical to business success, but I don't necessarily think we pay enough attention to it. Before we dive into why this is so important, give us your definition of brand. What does it mean to customers, and in the case of of our listeners, patients? You know, that's a great question. Uh, We we really tend to think about it as the the whole experience, right? So uh, unfortunately, brand, uh, because it started more as an advertising and a marketing term, and certainly it still is, we tend to think that it's about the communication, what the brand says about itself. But what we've learned more and more through the years and studying human behavior associated with the brands is that it's really the whole experience. So I think it's kind of interesting when we talk about we talk about a practice, it is the whole practice, right? And the the experience is actually what happens when you engage the practice as a whole, right? So it's the scheduling, it's the the, the waiting room experience, it's the greeting experience. I mean, it has, it's every aspect of the experience because that's what gets stored in the customer's mind. That's what they use as a reference point going forward and as uh, something that they use for decision-making about is this, uh, is this a practice? Is this a physician? Is this a business or a brand that I want to engage with and come back again and again and again? I love it. As you talk about the experience, and as you you mentioned in your book, I love the title, How Does It Make You Feel Why Emotion Wins the Battle of Brands? Each of those touch points within the entire experience has an emotion attached to it. And those emotions are big drivers. I think we often like to say, you know, we're, we're very logical when it comes to making a purchasing decision, 
you know better than than I, but I think the the research shows it's emotional. We we make decisions based upon emotion. How important is that emotional experience at each touch point within the practice when it comes to brand? Yeah, that's a, another terrific question. It's really critical because uh, one of the one of the things that we do, unfortunately, too, is that we we tend to think about uh, the advertising and marketing and and the even the experiential aspect of the brand is just the just the outward expression, but it's so much more than that because it's um, what's happening in the brain. And you think about it, one thing that's constant, we love to say business challenges or human challenges at Brand Trust. It, the one thing that's constant is that all of this information is being filtered and interpreted and evaluated in the human brain. So it's really important to think about how the brain works. And the brain is designed to be extremely adept at reading subtle non-conscious cues. And so we know that, you know, from just an enormous body of science that better than 95% of our behavior is actually driven by non-conscious influences. So when I say non-conscious influences, and we talk about the, the whole experience, the name of the practice matters, right? Does it seem relevant? Does it seem aligned with the kind of mental models that the customer might customer might have in mind with, with an eye practice, that sort of thing. Uh, but then also the, there's all these little things happening going on underneath the surface. And let me give you, let me tell you a story to give you an example. We worked for a big healthcare um, system uh, uh, several years ago. And the whole idea was that we wanted to understand, would, would it be better to um, help people understand the science and the you know, the sophistication of the new new medicines and new practices and new technology that was being applied to medicine, or would it be better to think about more human terms? And so we will put customers through uh, what we call emotional inquiry, which looks a bit like psychotherapy, interestingly, because they actually close their eyes and visualize their memories. We're trying to get them to tell us the stories of their experiences. And in their stories, they would tell us things like, they didn't tell us anything about the technology or the sophisticated medical techniques. They didn't understand any of that sort of thing. But what they would tell us is that they would notice the plants in the physician's office. And we would, what do you mean? What, what does this have to do with the plants? Well, the plants are a, a signal to us if a, if a physician or a practice can care for a living thing, can care for something that has to be nourished and watered and cared for. And then we would notice things as well. If there's dust on the plants, that's a bad signal. Right. And so you might not even ever have that experience consciously, but non-consciously, your brain says, mm, it's not quite right. This doesn't feel like where I'm going to really be nurtured, where I'm really going to be cared for. So all of those little subtle cues are really incredibly important. And that's why we, you know, we look at every moment, every touch point of the of the customer experience is really critical as making a, a big difference. And so it's really all about uh, understanding what's happening in the human mind. I love the way that you connect the science of psychology to how people really at the core make decisions and how they interpret their experience. And I think that's such a critical takeaway for our listeners to really take a step back. It's not about our knowledge. Obviously, we have to be great doctors. We have to be great clinicians and take great care of patients. But when it comes to the experience, 
it goes so much deeper and and it's it's much different than that clinical knowledge and expertise. It's really what you communicated on such a subtle level. I absolutely love that. And I think it's such a critical takeaway for our listeners. Now, Daryl, over the last two years, we've seen the pandemic's effect on brand loyalty. Customers are far more likely to switch brands that in the past that they, they felt loyal to. How significant, though, is this? And why should our independent eye care professionals who are listening to this episode focus on their own brands to both keep the patients they have and take advantage of the opportunity to attract new ones? Yeah, it's it's you can almost think of it as insurance, right? Because what happened happens in a in a pandemic and a, or a, a time of sort of huge change like that. Uh, the best way to think about it is if you think about Maslow's hierarchy. If you've ever had a basic psychology class, Maslow's hierarchy is that you know on the on the bottom of his pyramid are just the basics of everyday life. You know, food, shelter, clothing, that that kind of thing. But as you move up the hierarchy, you start to get to the uh, the top of the pyramid, which is around self-actualization, like what is my identity? How am I represented in what I do every day? And is it a, is it the, the reflection of me that I'm hoping for? That sort of thing. So uh, when you get pushed down uh, in, in the case of a pandemic, for, for example, toilet paper, toilet paper is on the bottom of the, of the pyramid, right? But in the absence of toilet paper, you don't care about your identity because you need toilet paper, right? And so it's you, it, it's just that's the way the system works, the way the psychological system in the brain works. But the problem with that is that once you lose that need for that that greater self-expression that may come through a brand, because we use brands as as to help us uh, shape our identity and sometimes as badges or trophies to help us know this is how I want to be represented, right? The kind of car I drive, the kind of clothes I wear, that, that sort of thing. Uh, but once we lose the need for that and get pushed down, the, then the brands are subject to reevaluation. The brands are subject to change and abandonment, right? Because I don't, it isn't quite as important. Unless, of course, the brand has sort of uh, um, established that so strongly that you would never give it up, right? You might, you might give it up in the moment, but you'll always return back to the brand that gives you that feeling of somehow I'm better, somehow I'm elevated. Somehow I'm more connected. This is I'm, this brand is more relevant to me, to a person like me. So, how do our listeners then, as clinicians, as doctors, as business owners, take advantage or or, or take that understanding and directly apply it to their own patient base and their future patient base? That that's that's sort of the ultimate question, I think, and and what it really boils down to is. Um, the secret to all of this is, is really in listening, right? And it's in listening to their stories. And so we, we, you know, we tend to make chit chat and that sort of thing, but you can be more intentional about chit chat and you can start to ask them um, not, not so much what they do, but maybe why they chose what they do, um, ask them about their families. So it's, it's about a more human conversation. And then you can start to understand in their stories that they tell you, what is it that's really motivating them? Why do they really um, need your service? And what is it that would make them connect to you? When you start to hear the stories and you're more intentional about the stories, then patterns emerge and they become pretty clear to you, well, boy, this is really more important to people than anything. 
Uh, and, and just to give you an example, we do a lot of work with healthcare. And so your audience should be really interested in, in this finding. We see it over and over. When we um, ask our um, healthcare professionals, clinicians in particular, to, to go deeply into their stories and to tell us about why they decided to become physicians, uh, in many cases, they can go back in their memories. And we, we ask them to go back in their memories because that's, the again, the way the brain works is it's building on experiences and memories over time to create a catalog, a reference, if you will, of how it's going to make decisions in the moment. Is this good? Is this bad? Is this safe? Is this unsafe? That sort of thing. Will I feel better about myself if I go in this direction? So the brain is cataloging its our life experiences, in fact. And so when we when we speak with doctors, for example, we may ask them to go back to an early physician, to an early doctor's office a visit where they, as a child, might even remember what happened. And then we might ask them about the moment when they decided to become a physician. And then we may ask them about their decision um, uh, to which medical school to go to. And we, then we may ask them about their decision about which specialty they wanted to go into. But when you go to the deep psychology, the deep psychology of healthcare, um, professionals, clinicians in particular, is around this need for um, eliminating chaos and restoring order. And so you think about, well, wow, in healthcare, we actually call them disorders. We call it a disorder of the nervous system or a disorder of the pancreas, whatever it might be. So it's even in the language, right? And so we see that there's these deep psychological motivations that really, really push us. You hear that from the stories. People don't tell us that. Doctors don't tell us, oh, I had this un, unabiding need to you know, eliminate chaos and restore order. But you hear this in the stories where they said we may ask them what happens on a, a good day. And they'll say, well, it's really crazy, really busy, all kinds of things go on. Um, that's kind of a, a typical good day. And then we say, well, what happens on a day when you come home and you tell someone in your family about what you did that day and what happened? And the stories inevitably end up being, well, there was a major crisis, something terrible happened and I solved it, or I played a role in solving it. And then you can begin to translate that back into the psychology, it's eliminating chaos and restoring order. Everyone's like that, every human being is like that. And so if you ask them about their stories, you start to identify, this is why these customers are coming to me. And these are the kinds of things that I can, I can do to help them fulfill those needs. Fantastic. There's so much in there that we can unpack with understanding that those stories and understanding those emotional experiences that you highlight in the, the healthcare space and from a physician standpoint, those are the same experiences. Those are the same stories that are driving our patients' interactions and our patients' motivations to accomplish something that ultimately moves them, say, up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We had a, sm a small example of that in practice that that I had. We we built a specialty contact lens practice for patients with corneal degenerations, keratoconus, post refractive surgery, and we found through doing some research ahead of time that our patients in this space were weren't so as much driven by the fact that they couldn't see without these specialty contact lenses, but their experiences over time led them to really 
attach their identity to their condition and how their condition affected their their self-actualization. They've been passed through the system. They'd have bad experiences. They felt like they were a burden on the practices that took them in. And we kind of flipped that whole experience on its head and we address each of those higher psychological needs. And the, the specialty contact lens practice exploded because we weren't just treating the vision condition that we perhaps may have thought was the primary motivator, but we focused heavily on what those true psychological primary motivators are. And I think we have so much opportunity throughout whatever specialty, whatever area of practice focuses on to do that over and over and over again. Yeah, that's so true. I love that story. That's a really great example. It really just comes down to a, a, a few sort of very human things, right? We, we talk about this as human truth more often than not. And that it, it, that is the listening, right? You just have to really listen. You have to put yourself in the customer's shoes, and then you have to have some empathy. And then the, the, all, the only real obstacle that we have to do is to is to just recognize that we have to shut off the way we're thinking, the way we're perceiving the experience and put ourselves in the customer's shoes. That's the simple part. And, and in many cases, these are really simple things that you just have to have your radar on for that you, you identify through listening carefully and asking the right kind of stories, the right kind of prompts to help them um, you know, unleash their stories or release their stories. Uh, we had a, we were doing um, many years ago uh, for some of the first, what were affectionately recalled uh, called at the time as Doc in the Box for, for uh, convenience care um, physicians' offices. And there was a chain of about 40 of them that we were working on. And they, were, they really weren't doing very well because it was very early in the, the whole evolution of, of that kind of a service and people hadn't embraced it yet. Um, and so they, the, the client actually hired us to try to figure out why they weren't doing well. And we came in and we studied it and we looked at all the data and we did all the work and and it just really wasn't that clear. The one thing we did discover, though, is that three of the 40 units were really performing well. And they would have, they would have been thrilled if all of them had performed, even half of them had performed that well. And so we got in there and really began digging around. And our researchers, uh, one of them, uh, one of the things that we do, think when we think about these different kinds of questions, we, we go in and this researcher asked the woman who was in charge of three of the clinics that were doing well, she was like the managing director of the clinics. She asked her what her typical day was like. And this was now, keep in mind, this is after we had exhausted all the data and done everything we could. And the managing director said, well, I come in every day and the first thing I do is I call all the patients from the day before. And our researcher said, you do what? You call all the patients from the day before? She said, yeah. She said, well, what, what do you say to them? Why do you do that? And she said, well, it's not really any big deal. I just call them to touch base. And I asked them, you know, um, if they got their meds and do they have any questions for the doctor? That's all I do. And she said, and by the way, I don't end up talking to that many of them because I used to get their voicemail. So those three units were blowing the doors off compared to the other units. So just think about that. That's just, that's a human thing, right? It's just a human aspect that's somewhere on that on Maslow's hierarchy, if you will, it's like these people actually probably care more for me than other people do. And so it's really it, it's almost like uh, in, in one of my books, I mentioned that, you know, my favorite restaurant is always the restaurant where they know my name. Right. And so it's just you feel at home there. You feel like these are your folks. These are your people. 
And so it, it's all human. It's all this human stuff. And that's really what we talk about, talk about today when we talk about the whole experience of the brand. Your company has helped a large number of Fortune 500 companies uncover what you refer as human truth. And I have to imagine we've been talking about this human truth all along. For our listeners who run independent eye care practices who may not have a ton of time to devote to uncovering human truth, what do they do though once they have listened, they've empathized, they've heard these stories, what do they do with it once they start to really understand this human truth? Well, I think that the secret to to it, once you've gotten a little discipline and, and sort of engaged yourself in understanding the customer, which by the way is actually fun. Once you do it, you, you really start to enjoy it and it be, sort of becomes part of your routine. Um, and, and thinking about not only, not only does it help you serve them better, but it helps to make your practice better ultimately. So you, you, you can do what we call um, uh, uh, snap tests, like the little scrappy pieces of research, like uh, for example, uh, would, it do, would it do us any good to call our customers back? every day, the ones from the previous day, and just touch base with them. Just try it. Make, make 25 phone calls and see what happens and track those people over a few months and see if those are the people who actually come back, if those are the people who uh, end up buying two pairs or whatever it is that, that uh, you know, looks like success for that, that particular customer. But you can start to identify what those things are and you, can, you, don't, you don't have to change everything in, in sort of a wholesale fashion, you can test it. And, and then you can say, well, my goodness, this is really valuable. This is huge, if you will. And then also you can just tell sometimes if you do something, if the, if the customer's response is, is really powerful. Uh, one of my favorite examples is the, the trick to this though, again, is you just have to have your radar on for this stuff. You know, you just have to really be watching and listening. With the, with the idea in mind, not only is this a good thing and the right thing to do, this is the right thing to grow my business. This is going to have a huge impact on my business. Uh, Hertz, the example I was going to mention, Hertz for many years, if you, you, know, if you have a rental car and you're out and you have a flat tire, you have an accident, whatever it might be, you have an 800 number, you call the 800 number. And what they would typically do is just launch into, right, where are you? What happened? You know, give me all the details, that sort of thing. And somebody... You know, a lot of this work is done by what we would call behavioral scientists, because we're behavioral scientists at, at uh, Brand Trust. We're looking at the social and behavioral science of everything that we do. Probably a behavioral scientist said, are we asking the right question? Well, what is the right question? What is the most human question? The most human question is, are you okay? Didn't cost a penny. Doesn't cost anything, but has a huge positive impact, right? You can, once that question has been has been aired, then you can ask any other question you want because then the, the customer on the other end of the line says, hey, this is, not, this is not going to be an ordeal. These people actually care about me. How easy is that? I love it. And I think that's the best part of small business and being you know, our practices are small businesses. We can test out at any point in time any of these things that we think may improve the patient experience and, in, and grow the business. And as owners, we don't have to ask anybody. We're the ones who get to do it. Absolutely. We try it out. And if it fails, okay, no big deal. We try something different. There's just so much fun, at least from my perspective, that's, that piece is just so much fun about small business. Yeah. And I, I absolutely guarantee you there is not 
there's nothing more productive that you can do to grow your business or make your business successful. Daryl, I can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise and wisdom with our listeners today. Here at The Practice Advantage, we believe that leaders are readers, and I know you read more than 100 books a year. What are you currently reading? Uh, I'm currently reading uh, a book that I really, really recommend. Actually, I've already read this book, but I really, really recommend this for everybody. It's a book called You're Not Listening. Uh, what You're Missing and Why It Matters by an author called Kate Murphy. It's one of the best books I've read in five years. And as, as you said, as you mentioned, I read a lot. Uh, so this book is a great book for everybody and a great book for every small business person because it'll, it'll give you the tools, the tricks of the trade, if you will. But it's really well written and, and uh, you'll enjoy it. I'm also reading a book called Social Chemistry, which is um, uh, Decoding the Elements of Human Connection by Marissa King. Um, and then um, a book by a guy named Adam Grant, who's a really fascinating social scientist, and it's uh, called Think Again. And it's more about the power of knowing what you don't know. I tell you what, we and our listeners have a ton of work to do. Daryl, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to learn more about HEA's exclusive monthly subscription-based Practice Advantage consulting program powered by Williams Group, give us a call at 1-800-959-2020, option three, and your first month is free. Start designing your life and what your practice can do for that life today. See you next time.